It was likely to be my father. I hadn't given them much notice, for I had only telegraphed the time of my arrival from Sydney when I landed there the previous evening, and it was barely two o'clock now. Moreover, they weren't expecting me for another four days, and we live a hundred and twenty miles from the airport. The wing hid a good part of the enclosure, but I saw nobody I knew. I wondered if I should have to go into town to the club and telephone home from there. I followed the last passenger down the aisle to the door and thanked the hostesses as I passed them. I made slow time down the steps, but once on the flat I was all right, of course, and walked over to the enclosure. Then I caught sight of a face I knew. It was Harry Drew, our foreman, come to meet me. It was a warm, summery spring day, and Harry was very smart. He's a man about forty years old, with dark, curly hair and a youthful figure. He was wearing an opulent-looking American shirt without a jacket on that warm day, a brown shirt buttoned to the neck and worn without a tie. His brown-green grazier's trousers were clean and newly creased and held up with a brand-new embossed belt with a large, shiny buckle. He caught my eye and half-raised his hand in salutation. I passed through the gate and he came to meet me. "'Morning, Harry,' I said. "'How are you today?' "'Good, Mr. Duncan,' he replied. "'We didn't expect you till Friday.' He took the overnight bag from me. I came along a bit quicker than I thought I would, I said. He was clearly puzzled, as they all must have been by my telegram. Did you come on a different ship? he asked. We thought you'd be flying from Fremantle, arriving Saturday morning. I didn't come that way, I said. I had to stay in London a bit longer. I flew all the way through New York and San Francisco to Sydney. Come the other way round? That's right, I said. We passed into the airport building. "'How's my mother, Harry? She's not here, is she?' "'She didn't come,' he said. "'She gets out most fine days, but sitting in the chair most of the time, you know. "'She don't go away much now. Three months or more since she went down to Melbourne.' "'He paused by the newspaper stand. "'The Colonel, he was coming down to meet you, but we had a bit of trouble.' "'What sort of trouble?' I inquired. "'The house parlour maid,' he said. "'Seems like she committed suicide or something. Anyway, she's dead.' I stared at him. For God's sake! How did that happen? I don't really know, he said. It only happened this morning, and I left about half past ten to get down here to meet you. She took tablets or something, what they give you to make you sleep. She did it last night. That's right, Mr. Allen. Who found her? She didn't come down to her work. They get down to the kitchen in the house about six or quarter past and have a cup of tea. When she didn't come down, Annie went up to her room about seven. Old Annie found her. That's right. She was dead. The colonel rang through for me to go up to the house, and sooner after I got there, Dr. Stanley, he arrived. I suppose the colonel telephoned for him, but there wasn't anything that he could do. She was dead, all right. So then they got on to the police, and just about then your telegram came from Sydney, saying you'd be coming in today. The colonel, he couldn't leave home with all that going on to come down here to meet you, so he said to me to take the Jaguar and come instead. I stood by the paper stand while the crowd milled around us. It was a muddle and a mess, and I was deeply sorry for my father and mother. My father was over seventy, and my mother not much less, and neither of them in the best of health. Too bad that they should have a nuisance of this nature thrust on them, "'What did she do it for?' I asked. "'In trouble with some man?' He wrinkled his brows. "'I wouldn't think so,' he said. 
Kumbagana's a small place and not so easy to get away from unless you've got a car of your own, which she hadn't. She couldn't have been going with one of the lads at Kumbagana and have no one know about it. I wouldn't think it was that. How long had she been with us? About a year. Maybe a bit longer. English, she was. I nodded. She would have been. English or Dutch or German. An Australian house parlour is rare indeed. Well, I wish to God she'd picked another day to do it, I remarked. He grinned, and we went out to where the motor coaches stand to claim my luggage. The Jaguar was two years old, but it was still fairly new. As they grow older, my parents were staying more and more at home. They had the Buick, too, which they still used a lot, that they'd got through Singapore before I went away to England. We put my suitcases in the boot, and Harry said, "'Will you drive, Mr. Allen?' I shook my head. I wanted to be able to see the countryside on this, my first day back in my own country.